Amen. Everybody has to figure out where I'm standing when they open their eyes. It's really funny. I've spoken in a lot of different contexts as a youth pastor. You never know where you're going to speak and when you're going to speak. And I did that for a few years. So you'd be like, hey, I'm speaking on a bus. I don't know. Uh, but I've never spoken in a circle. So I've got some learning to do here. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I just want to make note of a couple things before we get into the message. If you look around this building, it looks incredible, the decor that's gone up, everything up on stage. I loved when I was walking up to the front doors and I saw that we had decorated our like iconic maple tree in the front. And there was an amazing group of people that spent a lot of hours here yesterday decorating. And so I really appreciate them. Uh, let's give them a, just a big hand. And every Sunday, it's amazing because there's so many people who serve to make what we call our church gathering, our church service happen. Um, even this morning, I've got a toddler with a runny nose, so he's stuck at home with his mom, and they're watching the service online thanks to the people behind the cameras and the people running sound and the band. And we have a kids program downstairs. It's awesome because of the team that organizes it during the week, prepares for weeks ahead of time to actually have great teaching, not just show up and babysit, but to actually teach our kids about Jesus and give them an opportunity to get to know him in their life stage. And so it's just amazing all the people that serve throughout this community. I appreciate it. I love it. I love to see what comes out of that. And if you're like, hey, I'm missing out. I want to do something. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what's needed. Always feel free to talk to Grant or myself or go on our website, the Get Involved tab. That's one of the ways you can get involved. But it's amazing to see what God does through each of the people in this church and the different gifts we have. And I'm really thankful for it. This morning, we're starting a new series. It's called I'll Be for Christmas, which I realized it's kind of a ripoff of I'll Be Home for Christmas. And I was like, man, that's not even like a very Christian song, Christmas song. Oops. But... Um, that's the title is I'll Be for Christmas because if Christmas is anything for you like it is for me, you kind of see it coming on the calendar and you start to go, how many Christmas parties am I going to be going to? How many gift exchanges do I have to shop for? How many new decorations does my wife want to buy this year? How many new decorations do I have to figure out how to fit into our storage containers at the end of the season. And you just start adding up all the things you're going to be busy doing at Christmas. And you're excited for it, but you're also like, oh, am I going to make it through all the busyness? Uh, I remember the last couple of years, I ended up having like five or six different Christmas parties. It was ridiculous. And I'm like, I like Christmas, but can I do one Christmas party? Like it was so busy. And it's funny because sometimes we get so busy doing things that we forget that God actually works so much through being, not just doing. We start to think that God wants us to do more when he's like, just be with me more. Be with each other more. And the actual story of Christmas points really directly to this. The story of Christmas points to how Jesus didn't come to just do stuff. It was one of the most inefficient ways to come to earth and get stuff done is to come as a baby and be useless for, you know, like think of how, what do babies do for you? 
they poop, they puke, they need diaper changes, they need to be fed, they need to be put down for naps. They're not beings of doing, but yet we love babies because being with a baby is amazing. I think that Christ not coming as a full-grown king and powerful ruler, but coming as this helpless baby to save the world points to something that God does in us and something that God created us for, which is to be with him and to be with each other. So that's our series this Advent, as we'll be looking at some different practices of being, some different ways to be with each other. And hopefully that will point us both to being with God in this season and developing and focusing on actually being present with God, the God that said, I came to be with you. And also it'll help us as we go to all the parties, as we go and we host, have all the family over and we're doing all the busy things of Christmas that we'd also be with each other as God created us to be with each other. So this morning's message is I'll be listening. And when it comes to listening, listening is a slightly important thing in life. And how you listen is almost more important than if you listen. Um, I remember a holiday dinner back when I was a kid. And at this holiday dinner, we had this conversation and it, we were like talking about like, oh, what age did you find out that Santa Claus wasn't real? Like, what did your parents tell you that you believed them for a while? And I don't know exactly how it came out, but we figured out that one of my cousins had listened to her mom. She had not listened in many classes in school, I'm pretty sure, or many conversations, but she had listened to her mom because we were like talking about like, oh yeah, you remember like when your parents told you that like chocolate milk comes from brown cows and regular milk comes from white cows, like normal, right? That's normal. Like every kid gets told that lie and we listen and we believe it for a while until we figure out that that's a ridiculous idea. My cousin, however, my cousin, however, for whatever reason, her mom had told her something a lot more significant than this. Her mom had told her that milk came from like when they butchered the cow, they drained the milk out of the meat. I don't know why my aunt told my cousin this. I don't understand. It's like, that's just kind of weird, but okay. But she listened and she believed, and that was her understanding of reality until she was 18 years old at our family dinner, and we all just made so much fun of her. But listening is interesting because listening shapes our understanding of reality. Her understanding of reality for the first 18 years of her life was that the milk that she drank from a jug came from the meat of cows. And listening shapes our understanding of reality. When you're a little kid and you're starting to try to understand reality and you finally figure out how to talk, one of the first things that starts to come out of your mouth is why. Grant knows about this. My, my two-year-old has not figured this out. Grant's daughter figured this out before she was even two. She started asking why, why, why. And then you listen to your parent and what your parent tells you shapes your understanding of reality, which is mostly accurate except for probably Santa Claus and maybe where chocolate milk comes from. But at first we listen to our parents and that shapes our reality. 
And then eventually we listen to our friends and we have that friend that tells us that Santa Claus isn't real and we're pretty shook up and broken hearted for a little while and then we get over it and our view of reality changes as we listen to our friends. And then we start going to school and we start listening to our teachers. Our teachers start to form our understanding of reality. And maybe you were one of those kids as a teenager, you heard your teacher say something different than your parent and you went home and you argued with your parent. I don't know, I've heard they can lead to some big fights. And then as adults we're like, oh yeah, I, I, I understand reality. Until you have two adults have a conversation and one listens to one news station, the other listens to a different news station. Or one follows one person on social media and another follows another person on social media. And we figure out that who we listen to shapes our understanding of reality. Every current event, there's at least two perspectives, if not 10, depending on who you listen to. And we live and we make choices and we go, this is why the reality of life because of what I'm listening to. But what's interesting is as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are like, hey, we believe in what a lot of people would say are, is crazy. Our understanding of reality is not just what we see. When we gather as a church, we believe that Jesus, his spirit is actually present here with us. Which we can't see that, but at some point we listen to somebody say that and we believe them. And that forms our view of reality. Our view of reality, like, is a little, a little out there sometimes. But we see evidence of it being true, and we see God work through it, and we go, okay, I believe this because it seems to keep working, and it seems to be true, and I'm seeing evidence of it. But then we find ourselves going, man, am I crazy? And we end up in this tension of going, how do I listen? How do I actually see the world as God sees the world? Is my view of reality just what I see or is there more to it? I want to live as a follower of Jesus, but to live as a follower of Jesus is to live in a different reality than what we just perceive as humans and what's being told to us by those around us. And in the story of Christmas, we see this happen. We see somebody walk, wrestling with reality, trying to figure it out, and then have it completely flipped on its head. In Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, we get the, this is a short version of the Christmas story. If you go over to Luke, it's a little bit longer. But in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew says this, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He wanted to do the right thing and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And this is, like, let's pause for a second and look at this situation. For starters, they were engaged about 2,000 years ago in the nation of Israel, in the culture of Israel where they were, Engagement was a kind of a, it was a different, a little bit of a different experience. Um, because when you were engaged, well, you weren't living together, you weren't sleeping together, you weren't acting married. At the same time, there was actually a much bigger legal, social, and economic commitment. 
you basically made all the legal commitments of marriage, you made all the social commitments of marriage, you made the economic commitments of support like marriage, so it was a big deal. So when you got engaged, if you actually broke off that engagement, you basically had to file for divorce. So Joseph and Mary, this nice young couple, they're engaged. And there comes a point where I don't know if Mary told Joseph, and so he listened to her and was like, oh, you're pregnant, or he just saw and was like, that's not just a, yeah, that, you're pregnant, you know? But he realizes that his fiance is pregnant. And he's like, we've not been living together. We've not been sleeping together. So where did this baby come from? And he's wrestling with that going like, and maybe she tried to tell him where it came from and be like, oh, I saw an angel and they told me this. And he's like, uh, um, no, this is real life. If you're pregnant and we've not been together, then you've been with somebody else. And so he sees his fiance caught up in this apparent lie and breaking his trust and cheating on him. And he's like, okay, well, this is, the relationship's over. Um, and he could have been vengeful. He could have been like, I'm going to ruin your reputation. I'm going to let everybody know what happened. But instead he was like, I want to do the right thing. Even though this is terrible and I feel so betrayed and hurt, I want to be gentle and kind towards you still. And so he was like, I'm gonna, we're going to quietly get a divorce as quietly as we can. So he's wrestled with that. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to take this person who has cheated on you, your fiance, cheating fiance, as your wife. Interesting. Okay. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. It's an interesting story of listening. Because Joseph was considering, he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying, I expect, to be godly, to follow Jesus. Well, like at the time he didn't, Jesus wasn't a thing yet, but to his knowledge, but he's trying to follow God and do the right thing. And he's like, I could ruin my fiance's reputation, give her what she deserves, but I'm going to try to be gentle and kind and considerate, even though she doesn't deserve any of that, and divorce her quietly. And then he has a dream, and an angel shows up and says, this is crazy, but here's what's going on. And he listens to that, and he walks out, and he goes from viewing his reality as I've been cheated on in the worst way possible to I get the privilege of being the physical father figure on earth to the savior of the world, to the Messiah. And sometimes 
we go, okay, this virgin birth thing is a crazy idea. Like, really? Did that happen? But you see that, Je that Joseph has an easy out. If it was like, oh, my fiance is pregnant. This is, he could have easily just been like, okay, well, I'll let her take all the blame for that and I'll exit and get out of here. To actually step into that and say, I want to actually raise this child and I'm going to actually hold this to this story that this is a virgin birth and all the like all this happened that was the hard option there's no way that you would decide to do that if you were just like oh this just seems like a good no it's not a good idea it's a terrible idea unless it's true unless it actually happened unless you actually had that dream and you actually believe that angel and then you go oh okay reality has shifted my understanding of reality is different and god's given me the opportunity to participate in something that's going to change life for my entire people group. At this point, he didn't know that the Messiah was actually sent for the entire world. He thought it was just for the Israelite people. But he owns that. He gets excited for that. And how often in our lives are we like Joseph at the beginning of this story, where we're facing a difficult situation? We have a question in our mind. We're like, I'm trying to understand reality. I'm doing the research. Whatever you listen to, whether it's that you listen to a wise friend or mentor and you're asking them questions, you're giving them a call or shooting them a text, asking them questions. Whether you're of the generation that just looks it up on YouTube and is like, hey, I'm gonna listen to a YouTube video on this or a podcast on this. Wherever you look for how to understand reality, when you have a difficult situation come up, you're going, what's reality here? How do I relate to this? What's my role in this? When it's family drama, you're like talking to different people in the family, trying to go, did they actually mean what I think they meant when they said this to me? And we are faced with these challenges of understanding reality and what's our role in that. But... What's interesting is that we at least say that we believe in this God who's living and present with us. The Spirit's here with us. That he wants to speak to us if we'll just listen. And then when we're in situations like Joseph, that, may, that yes, we can wrestle with it and try to do the right thing, but if we don't actually know what's really going on, then we're likely to do a ridiculous thing because Joseph didn't know what was really going on because he didn't know he hadn't heard from God what he, God was speaking and so in your life when you're wrestling with decisions when you're going reality is tricky right now when reality is difficult I'm not sure what to do here I'm going to try to do the best thing do you think it's possible that maybe God the God of the universe that created the universe to send his son to live with us, then maybe he actually wants to speak to you and give you insight into what the actual reality of the situation is. And so it was interesting when I was in high school, I went to this camp, it was a survival camp. And in survival camp, there was something they taught us it was, a, it was a crazy camp. It was a rough experience. But uh, there, there was something they taught us. It was called orienteering. Anybody ever heard of orienteering before? 
Okay, quite a few of you guys have. Wow, okay. I thought it was a weird thing. But basically, they hand you a compass and they hand you some directions and they say, get from here to the, like they say, get to the end, like get from where you are to where you're supposed to go. And you spend your whole time trying to read a compass and take the right length paces because it'll basically be like, walk 100 meters at 279 degrees and then turn this way and walk 500 meters. And that's orienteering. It's really nerdy, it's really weird. Um, and it's brutally difficult because as soon as you start to find yourself off track, there's no real recovery. Once you walk, you misread the compass because the compasses are like this big. The font is tiny. You misread the compass, you get off by like two degrees, you walk 100 meters, you're like 20 feet away from where you're supposed to be. And then you do the next thing and you find yourself 300 feet away. And you get further and further away and you get lost in it. And we call it orienteering. And in life, it feels like we're orienteering. We're like, I know what I'm supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. I'm supposed to get from here to there. I'm supposed to do this with my life. And how do I get there when it starts to feel like maybe I got off? I'm following Jesus, but my fiance unexpectedly got pregnant, not with me. What do I do? I'm lost. I thought God led me to take this job, and it's not working out. I feel lost. I feel like I, I was raising my family and all the relationships were going great and I was doing such a good job with my kids and now their life is going off the rails or they just don't even want to talk to me anymore. I feel lost, right? And that's part of life is that as we go along, we can orient ourselves all we want and eventually we find ourselves with all of our wisdom finding ourselves lost. And God says, I'm a God that speak, comes and shows up and speaks and reorients you. I get you back on track. Because if you're doing orienteering and somebody hands you a GPS, you know exactly where you are. You know exactly what's going on. But so often we live our lives like we're orienteering and we know that we're off track. We know that we've gotten a few things wrong and that we're stuck on the side of a mountain where we really don't belong. And it's saying, go walk 10 feet forward and 10 feet forward is a cliff. And you're like, this doesn't work. We find ourselves there in life. And then God's saying, hey, I'm, I want to hand you a GPS. Just listen for my voice. And I want to orient you to reality. Because you know that this is difficult. You know that you're missing something here. To get where I'm leading you, you can't get there without me orienting you. And so how do we actually orient ourselves to the reality that God sees? Not the reality that I see, the reality that my friend sees. How do we orient ourselves to the reality that God sees? The first is to go, who am I listening to? Because sometimes God places people in our lives to listen to. Sometimes God speaks to, through the people around us. Sometimes God gives us a wise person in our life or somebody that maybe they're not even wise, but God wants to speak through them. When you go to your community group and you say, pray for me, I'm having a hard time making this decision. Sometimes God will actually speak to somebody in your community group 
And they'll say, I, I, seem, I don't know where this idea is coming from. Maybe it's from God, but have you thought about this? And that's how God speaks to you. Sometimes you're not seeing reality because the people that God created you to be in relationship with, you're not listening to them. You know how right you are if you only listen to people that agree with you? You know how you never have to change your understanding of reality if you only hear the same perspective as yours? And sometimes God places people around you. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member with different political views. I don't know what it is for you. And they disagree with you significantly. And God actually created us to be in relationship with each other to see reality more accurately. He didn't say, hey, follow me by yourself. We did a whole series on how God called us to follow him together with one another because we get clarity as we're in relationship with each other. That's how we we're created to work. The person that disagrees with me on how church should happen, just about every week somebody's like, hey, Michael, I love church. Also, I think it should be like this. And I'm like, well, I disagree. And I can either be like, you're wrong, I'm not going to listen to you. Or I can listen and go, is God trying to speak something that I need to learn here? Whether they're right or wrong, whether I'm right or wrong, maybe he's giving clarity to this situation. So who are you listening to? And are you actually listening? <laughs> because you can be with somebody and not listen to them. If you've been in a relationship long enough, in relationships, couples, I think there's a statistic, it's rough, I haven't looked it up, but roughly 80% of the time, you don't actually listen to each other. Because you talk at each other, I talk to my wife, my wife talks to me, but I'm doing the dishes or she's taking out the trash or whatever is happening, or the kid's melting down, and you're talking past each other. Are you actually listening for people? Are you actually slowing down being with them, not just too busy doing things to actually listen? My dad was telling me about going to a store this week, and the salesperson had very strong opinions, very passionate opinions on a current thing going on in our culture. And they were different opinions than my dad's. But they had very personal ties to that. They had very strong, good reasons to have strong opinions. But they're very different than my dad's. And my dad could have argued with them and said, hey, this is what you should believe because I'm right and you're wrong. Which he probably was right and they probably were wrong. But he slowed down and he listened. He went, to love my neighbor right now is to listen to them. To hear them and maybe God will open give me more insight through this situation. Maybe I will actually know them better to, so I can love them better. Have you ever had somebody give you a gift? Well, <laughs> it's the worst. I've done this. I've done this. Okay. Sometimes I've given really bad gifts to my wife, of all people. It's not that it was like a bad, like just an idiotic gift. It wasn't like I gave her I don't know, like, there's some dumb things that got, like, there's like, they, like when you give a chainsaw to your wife and you're like, it's really for me. It wasn't like that. But it was just like, this is a good idea, right? Whereas if I had been listening to her the whole time, for the last three, four, five, six months, I would have known that the one thing she really wanted was what she's been talking about, but I don't remember because I haven't been listening. You've ever gotten one of those gifts where somebody like gives you a gift, and you're like, this is expensive, but this is, is useless to me because you don't actually know me. 
It's almost like that with God, where it's like, if God had said, hey, I'm just going to give you the gift of salvation. I'm going to give you all this good gift of Jesus. But he didn't actually come and live as a human with us. It'd be like getting a gift from somebody that doesn't know us. When Christ came to earth and lived as a human, he actually, it's like, you know our life. You know what we need. You walk beside us. This is a good gift now. And so when we listen to others, we have to actually listen to love them. But on the other side, the other side, sometimes God speaks to those around us. But if we're listening for God's voice, we have to actually listen to him sometimes. Last weekend, I, we had a leadership team retreat. So the leadership team of the church, we went on a 24-hour retreat. And it was a really simple, boring retreat because most of what we did was pray in different ways and listen for what God was speaking to us and share. What was crazy was every single person on that retreat was able to share different things that God spoke to them. And something that kept coming up every few minutes was people were like, man, I need to slow down and listen. I don't have time. I'm so busy doing things for, that God's called me to do that I'm not actually spending time with God listening to him. And so I've been missing hearing this for months or maybe even years. I had that happen to myself where I was like, man, if I just spent some time listening to God's voice, I could have heard this a long time ago. And so are you actually creating the space in your life to hear God's voice? Because if it gets desperate enough, he'll show up to you in a dream in the middle of the night and an angel will show up and say, don't be afraid, but here's what you need to hear. But hopefully God doesn't have to get that desperate. Hopefully you're spending time in prayer, reading the Bible, listening for God to actually speak into your life. In prayer, not just asking God, give me this, give me that, provide for all the things I'm busy doing, but actually spending time saying, God, I want you to orient me to your to actual reality. You're the creator of reality. I want to listen and see the world you see the world the way you see it. Spend time listening to him. And if you're if you've been coming to church maybe for a long time, maybe for a short period of time, and you're going, I want to be in relationship with God and listening to God. I want to hear his voice, but I haven't ever heard it before. I'm not, I don't feel like God and I actually have a friendship and a relationship. I want us to take a second talking about that. Because the story of Christmas is how God came to be with us. Because at the beginning of time, God created the universe. He created every single human. He created everything that we see, the reality around us. But he created humans saying, I created you to reflect my image, my character, who I am. We're creative like God. We work and we rest. And we have friendships. We're created for friendships with each other and friendship with God. And we're created to live these beautiful, amazing lives. But one of the things that God made, made us is he said, I could just make you a robot to do everything I created you to do, that you just automatically do it. But I'm actually going to give you free will. I'm going to give you the choice of whether you're going to live life the way that I created you to live life or whether you want to try to do it on your own and just do what you think is best. And ever since then, we as humans choose to try to do life on our own. We try to do it our own way. And we're like, God, yeah, you designed me to do this, but I want to do it my way. I think I have a better plan than the God of the universe. And strangely, when we do things our own way, we find that it hurts ourselves, it hurts those around us. 
It brings brokenness and damage into the world. And as much as we try to undo it, we can't always undo all that goes wrong. And this led to physical death. And it means that we experience what, spiritual death. We actually, God's like, if you want to keep choosing this, you don't want to experience life the way that, with me in it, I'll, I'll let you experience that, which is what we call hell, is when God just says, okay, you really want to live life without me, you can have that. But God didn't want to leave us there. He didn't want to leave us just going, hey, just try harder to do what I told you to. Because we, as hard as we try on our own, we find that we never always follow Jesus. We always do things wrong, and we always have things fall apart. We always have those moments where we get angry and we hurt people. Those different moments. And he looked at us going, you're, it seems like you're almost trapped in this hurt, this brokenness, this sin. And so that's what the story of Christmas is, is that God sent his son Jesus to live on earth as fully human and fully God. Live a perfect life. Live perfectly as God created humans to live and show us an example of that. But not only that, but to actually die and experience physical and spiritual death in our place. Experience the death that we deserve because of the, way, the choices that we've made, the way that we've lived our lives. And he said, You've experienced, I've experienced this for you. If you want, I can forgive you. I can forgive you for what's gone wrong, but I can also heal you. I can start to transform you. I can start to make you more like me. I can start to let, help you live more like I created you to live. And that's the story of Jesus. That's why we get so excited about this baby being born. It's not, oh, there's another baby. It's like, no, this is different. This is crazy. Because God wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to transform us. He wanted to save us and change our lives. But if you're living your life trying to listen to God and you're like, I don't feel like I'm even friends with God. I don't have a connection to God. There's an opportunity to change that. Because God says, all you need to do to have a relationship with me, to let me into your life, to let me start speaking to you, let me start transforming you, let me start healing you, let me start speaking to you what the reality that you live in really is, is to say, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I want you to heal me, to transform me, and to take charge of my life. So if, as I'm speaking, you're going, man, that's me right now. I'm there. And I want that. I want to just spend a moment in prayer. Um, because this could be the moment that you make that commitment, that you say, I'm changing where my life is going. I want God to be in charge of my life. I want him to heal my life. So let's close our eyes together. I'm just going to pray with us. I'm going to pray some words out loud. And if this is where you're at and you want to give your life to Jesus, pray these words with me in your heart. Jesus, I'm done trying to fix what I've done wrong on my own. I'm done being in charge of my life. I need you to forgive me, to heal me and transform me. Jesus, at this moment and moving forward, I give you my life. Amen. And if that was your prayer right now, if you, this was the decision point for you to give your life to Jesus, I'd love to talk to you afterwards or you can catch up with Patrick Grant because this is the first step in following Jesus and there's a lot more steps. And we'd love to help you start walking on that journey. But to get back to the message of the moment, when it comes to listening, 
We're created as humans to listen. We're created as humans by God to listen. He came to be with us. He works through listening. But what actually happens? When we start to listen to others, we start to actually see the joys and blessings that God gives. When we're just focused on our own lives, we're like, oh, God gave me this this year. When we start listening to others, when we start listening to what God's doing, we start to go, wow, God's working here and blessing there. We also hear the challenges and suffering others are going through. Like I said earlier, to love our neighbors, we have to actually know them. To love somebody well, you have to know what's causing them pain in their life right now, where they're suffering. And really, when we start to listen well, when we start to be present with God and with those around us, we start to see how God is actually present and active in the reality around us. It's not when we're like, oh, God's not doing anything. It's not probably that he's not doing anything. It's probably that we're not listening and actually hearing what he is doing. When we were on this leadership retreat, each one of us could have walked in and gone, man, I don't know if God's really speaking. I don't know if God really speaks to people because I don't know, like maybe he's spoken to me once or twice in my life. But then as we sat around a circle and we started to listen to how he was speaking to different ones of us, it was like, oh, God is actually active and present. That thing that I wish that person could just hear from God, like I wish they could just hear it and I'm not the person to say it to them. They're like, so as I was praying, I felt like God was speaking this to me. I was like, yes, you needed to hear that, but I wasn't the person to say that. But when you slow down to listen, God spoke it directly to you. That's amazing. He brings life through it. And so this series of I'll Be for Christmas is a great series to listen to and be like, oh, that's a good idea. But there's a saying of practice what you preach. And so at the end of each message in this series, we're actually going to practice a little bit of what was preached. So this morning, I'm going to invite Nathan to come up and he's going to read a passage from Isaiah. But I want you to think about what are the things in your reality right now? What are the things that you're wrestling with? What are the questions that you have where you're like, if I could see this more clearly, I would love to hear that. I need to hear from God. I want to listen. And as you think about whatever that situation is, I want you to just bring that. And as Nathan reads this passage, listen and see if God wants to speak through this passage into this situation. So I'll pass the mic off to Nathan. And we'll spend a few minutes just listening for God's voice together. We're reading from Isaiah 53 here right now. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Ouch. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. 
and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see the offspring and prolong he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a great portion, to give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong, because his death, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. God, there's so many situations that each of us are facing, that each of us are bringing to you right now, that we're listening, we're desperate for your voice. You say that if we earnestly seek you, we seek to know you, know your will, know your ways, know your mind, that you'll reveal yourself to us, that you'll show us the reality that we truly live in, the role that you created us for. So I pray that we be a church that listens to you, that we listen, we live in the way we're created in your image, to be those that listen to those around us, that are present with those around us. But most of all, that we listen to your voice, God, and let that shape our reality. In your name, amen. It's interesting, as a pastor, I preach every Sunday or close to it, and people come wanting to hear, not, they don't come wanting to hear my voice probably, you come wanting to hear God speak to you. And my job is really just to try to help clarify what God's speaking to you in this moment, speaking to our community in this moment. But that happens once a week, and it's for all of us together. And I believe that God wants to speak to every single one of us in a personal, real way each day. And it's not cool, it's not exciting, there's not a band. But I'd encourage you that if you really want to be somebody that listens and hears God's voice, that over the years you can say, God spoke to me, he reoriented me when I needed him most. That you build up the habit of spending time reading the Bible and praying, listening for God every day. 
because I know in my life, the more that I've done that, the more faithful he is to speak to me and guide me and transform my life more into his image and less into who I used to be. So I just invite you to that this morning as we wrap up the service. Um, yeah, enjoy this Christmas season. As we do all the busy things, let's focus on being with those that God's placed around us and maybe inviting them into being here with us on Christmas Eve because maybe they haven't heard God speak to them before and this is the year that God wants to say, hi, I'm Jesus. I came to earth for you and I love you and I want to transform your life and bring you into new life. All right, let's have a great Sunday.